Hey, good morning, my friends. So after we talk about Doug, and after we talk about this, and we're all laughing, welcome to Regen, and today we're gonna talk about politics. Everyone's favorite topic, right? Especially in 2021, right? But here's the thing, though. We're not gonna talk partisanship. I'm not talking Democrat and Republican. I'm not talking Libertarian. I'm not talking, uh, I'm not talking about all the little different things that we put into parties and partisanship. And that's because we do often get this confused, what the difference between politics is and, and partisanship. Because today we're going to talk about polituma, okay? This Greek word that Paul uses in the next section that we're in, right? We're in, we're in a series in Philippians, okay? We're going through the book of Philippians, and we read a word today that Paul says, Polytuma, okay? As in the way humans live with one another. Think about this. We've mentioned this before, but in the Latin, the root word uh, polis, P-O-L-I-S, right? So think of metropolis or cosmopolitan, you know, polis literally means things concerning the people, and that's where we get our word politics, okay? So things concerning the people. So big difference here, partisanship versus politics. And so polytuma in the Greek and polis is really about how we govern the relationships that we have with each other, the relationships we have with our neighbors, relationships we have in our schools, our workplaces, and what Paul's going to say is anywhere we find ourselves, because he talks about the heavenly realms. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig in. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus, Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we thank you we thank you, we thank you for giving us this opportunity this morning to gather as your, your people, your body, the body of Christ this morning. To celebrate your goodness in the world, to celebrate your goodness in the world through us and also to examine our own hearts with how we form relationships with each other and with the politics of our world. God, we ask that you this morning would give us new eyes with which to see, new ears with which to hear one another and your word. We ask that you would give us new hands and feet with, in which to engage the world in a new heart. A new heart that aligns more with your more sacred heart in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, little history lesson here, okay? Who likes history? I do. I actually do. I do like history. So if you like history, you'll like this, okay? About 100 years before Paul even set foot in Philippi, Around the year 42 BCE, the city in which he's writing to, right, Philippi, was the setting for one of the great battles in the Roman Civil War that had just broken out after the death of Julius Caesar. Anyone familiar with this story? A little bit, maybe? Um, the, the, the two victorious generals, Antony, right, heard of Antony and heard of Octavian, right? They had found themselves with a lot of soldiers in northern Greece with nothing to do when the fighting was over. There just was no need for all these soldiers. And long story short, they didn't want these soldiers to be in the city of Rome. They thought it'd be way too dangerous to bring an upswelling of people who had been trained to kill into a city of civilian living. And so they did what many nations do when they go and conquer other nations. They colonized the land and they gave them land in and around the city of Philippi, right? They made Philippi a Roman colony. And so when Paul is writing this, he's writing this to a church that is now currently in the Roman colony now of Philippi. Now, once the colony was established, other veterans from other battles started joining them because the land was good. It was, it, was, it, was, it was good living. There were possibly apples, Paul, right? On the trees that they could grab, yeah, right. right? 
And by the time Paul arrived, Philippi contained quite a number of families of Roman descent, as well as local folks who benefited from the Roman presence in, in, in this region. You see, many in this region were worshiping their Roman identity. Okay? Thus, they were ordering their polituma, their politics, right? They were ordering their political lives to match the way things were done in Rome rather than the ways of Yahweh and in the divine ways of the heavenly realms. Okay, so all of this is important. This is what N.T. Wright writes in his commentary on this section. He goes, all of this is important. Everything, all this history I just told you is important if we're to understand the present passage, which he says is the climax of this entire letter. Okay, so this passage we're about to go into, N.T. Wright says he thinks this is the climax of everything we've been talking about thus far in Philippians, okay? We're going to be in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, if you want to follow along. Again, this is, uh, this, I'm, I'm reading from, from the Greek. I'm going in, into the Greek and translating that out to you. If you're following along, it's going to look a little bit different. Um, but also, I will, this will be up there on, again later in the week if you want to be able to have access to that. So Paul starts in uh, Philippians 3. We're going to be in verse 12. He goes, not that I have already a- a- obtained it. Okay, it's an odd way to start because we're not looking at the context of verse 11. Verse 11 was what we talked about last week, right? He was talking about he was attaining to be a person who didn't, you know, he didn't want to get into, uh, he, he didn't want ethnic purity to surpass his Christian identity, and he was aiming for the resurrection of the dead, he goes. So he goes, I've never, it's not that I've already attained it. And then he says, nor have I already been brought to a completed and perfected end. However... I am aggressively chasing that also, so that I may take hold of that for which I was taken hold of by Christu Jesu, Christ Jesus. He says, Adelphoi, brothers, sisters, I do not reckon myself to have taken hold of it. However, one thing I have taken hold of is the ability to overlook the things that are behind while stretching forward towards the things ahead as I am aggressively moving toward the mark for the prize of the higher calling of the Theo in Christu Jesu, right? The God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, as many as have been brought to a completed end should be of this understanding. And if in anything you are understanding otherwise, even this, right? This mindset of looking forward to a higher calling, the Theos, God will reveal to you as well. Nevertheless, regardless of how we have arrived, let us walk in line by the same, of the same mind. He goes, Adelphoi, brothers and sisters, become fellow imitators along with me by contemplating the example of those of us walking around, right, in this line of thinking. Because he says, for there are many who are walking around not of this thinking, he says, those of whom I've often spoken to you about. He's spoken to us, right? We, he warned us last week of the dogs, the inner malice, and the mutilation party, right? So those are the ones who are insisting on ethnic purity. We talked about that last week. So he goes, many are walking around of whom I've already spoken to you about. Moreover, even now, as I'm weeping aloud, I say to you, they are the hostile enemies of the upright stake, which is the cross of Christu, Christ. And their end goal is a loss of well-being. Their theos, their God, is the hollow belly. And their glory and honor is in their shame, thinking emotionally, physically, and intellectually of earthly things. 
And so here we see Paul writing to this newly formed alternative community. Alternative is really like another possible way of living with one another, okay? This is what this community was trying to be formed, and Paul planted this church. And in this letter of encouragement now, he's imploring them to think outside the box, to stop thinking about the way that they've always done it, right? To repent, repent, metaneo, right? To literally change one's mind. Think outside the box. And about how they relate emotionally, physically, and intellectually about things of the earth versus things of, that are spiritual, okay? Two distinct dimensions. Think like into the Spider-Verse or some of those good alternative reality, the OA, right? Two different dimensions simultaneously at play, intersecting each other with such a fervor that sometimes it's hard to discern between the two. And so he beseeches these people to be humble, right? That's back in the beginning of the letter, to be united in Christ, right? Again, not to insist on ethnic purity. All the stuff we've been reading about, but now he says, rather seek a higher calling, okay? Ano kleseos is what he writes, literally. It's an invitation that is above what you're already doing, okay? So a higher calling, something that's above where we're already living. Like, think about, like, I'm at level one, two, three, and then, like, now I'm at a different level now because that's what Paul is kind of pushing towards, something higher, something that's more healthy, right? It's a more healthy invitation than the invitations of division and greed and violence that we're often confronted with on and tempted to join. You see, because that's how the divine architect designed it to be, right? That's how he designed the cosmos to be. And so after all this, what's written here and in the past number of weeks in this series, he is setting the climax for this entire letter. We're in chapter 3, but now we're on verse 20, okay? And Paul writes in verse 20, he goes, Homon gar to halatuma. Literally, for the essence of our politics, for the essence, the very being of our politics. Your English translation probably says citizenship, okay? Uh, hence the way in which we relate to those around us. And so he says, the essence, the very being of our politic, our polytuma, huparxe, exists, and this word means existed and has always existed, in aranois, in aranois. Now, it's not singular. Your English translations most likely will have in heaven. This is the plural form of heavens. And, I, and, and again, I read a commentary this week that says that we do a disservice when we don't distinguish between Orano, heaven, and Oranois, heavens. This is like the beginning of the Lord's prayer here. Paterimon ontois Oranois, right? Our Father who art in the heavens, okay? As in the covering or the skies. This word Oranois literally just means the covering of the, of the earth, the skies. Okay, because ancient thinking distinguished the physical from the spiritual in this way. Land, physical, sky, spiritual. That, that's just the way that the ancient thought. They didn't, it wasn't the same scientific technology that we have today. So land, earth, sky, spiritual. But when you put it all together in the plural, the aranois here, it's a very important distinction because if you say, if, if, if you translate as like, hey, we're a citizens of heaven, let's say, because I hear this a lot, then it can make us say, well, then I guess if I'm a citizen of heaven, then it doesn't really matter what I do here because ultimately it's about where I'm, where I'm going. So I guess nothing here matters. Um, I, had a, uh, I had a pastor once uh, uh, 
tell me, uh, I, I, it, was, it was a really silly question. I mean, it wasn't a silly question. I just said, hey, do you guys recycle here? And he goes, our citizenship's in heaven. We don't recycle. You see, that's not what Paul is saying here. That's not what Paul is saying here, especially when you start reading more of Paul's letters when he talks about Christ coming back to the earth, right? Okay? And it's certainly not what Christ speaks of when he tells us to pray on earth as in heaven, right? And so the aranois, the polytuma, our citizenship is in the heavens, right? That's that space that exists from the breath of the spirit in our lungs all the way to the furthest limits of the cosmos. The cosmos where Paul says we are to be luminaries in. Okay. Are you getting the distinction now between Arano and Aranois? That's very important as we're moving forward here. Okay. Because he says Aranois is that space, right? And now Paul is continuing. So we're still, now we're in, I think we're in 21. He goes, from which we are also eagerly awaiting a Savior, Curio Jesu Christon, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change the outward appearance of our lowly human bodies, Conform to the body of his glory and honor, according to the, to the divine energy that empowers him even to place under himself the whole of all things. And then in 4.1, I don't know why whoever broke it up that did this, but therefore my desired and beloved brothers and sisters, my delight and my crown, in this way, beloved, stand firm in the curio. He's finishing that thought in, in 4.1 here. All right, so we've talked this whole series about humility and unity, right? Trading in ethnical, ethnic advantages for oneness in Christ. This is all the themes that Paul is encouraging this community to be formed in, right? To be an alternate way that the world forms community. A more wholesome and healthy way of looking at life, right? A way to engage in the things concerning the people, our polituma, our politic. You see, Paul is writing to... Most likely to a few, there's probably quite a few Roman converts in this church, you know, that have, you know, figured out what this Christ thing is, but they still were living as if the Roman government was, in fact, Savior, not Christ. And then he also was writing to the Hebrew nationalists, right, that we talked about from last week, that were literally mutating men's genitals in order to feel superior, to make themselves feel like their traditions and their ancestry was their Savior. So two different sections here, two sides of the same divided and grotesque coin, Okay much like sometimes we see today. Two sides of the same grotesque and disgusting coin, right? And so Paul's encouragement through this letter, and especially its climax here, is he's pleading with this new church not to get into this kind of division, to make the being of their politic, the essence of who they are, he says, and how they relate to other, that their citizenship, if you will, to be in the heavenly realms rather than the physical realms. That through the Spirit of Christ, our truest identity cannot be found in earthly institutions, right? The fallible governments that are created by our, and he says this, our teren osois, I can't say that one, but somati, right? Our lowly human bodies. Don't trust in our lowly human bodies. The things that these human bodies think up because we, in fact, only use 15% of our brain at best. But rather in the Spirit in the ways of Christ is what he's imploring us to be keeping our citizenship in, right? And what are the spiritual ways of Christ? Read the Sermon on the Mount. This is not like, this is, this is pretty easy to put one and one together, right? Blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor, right? 
You know, love one another, even love your enemy. Right? These are the politics of, of Christ. These are the spiritual heavenly realm politics of, of the Christ. And then he says to bring that spiritual realm, these politics of the heavens, onto physically here on earth just as it is in heaven. Because the Lord's Prayer changes then when it says on earth as in heaven. That's now singular, Urano, as in the place where all is at peace, that all is as Jesus speaks in like the Sermon on the Mount all the time. Okay? That's that alternate dimension that is trying to cross-act all the time, and we, are, we, we, we can't quite get there until Christ brings it in its fullest consummation. I don't think that Paul here, though, is saying like, not to have a relationship with your partisan politics of the day, though. Right? He's not saying not to take part in it, you know, not to, not, you know, not to run for elected office or not to vote. You know, I don't, I don't, that's not the sense that I get here from Paul, nor does it seem, he's not saying not to have a relationship with the earthly nation in which you live either. That's not seems what he's saying. Like, here's the deal. It's okay to eat a hot dog on the 4th of July, right? Like, it's okay to, to like watching fireworks on, on the 4th of July. It's, it's okay to like the nation in which you live. It's okay to like other ethnic foods if you're from a different country and, and, and to enjoy the traditions and the cultural rituals on local national holidays, right? You know, it's okay to root for your country in the Olympics every couple years. But he does seem to be saying that the unity we have in Christ and his ways in the Sermon on the Mount, his humble, radical ways of love are then the lens, right? Asked for new eyes to see this morning in which we are to examine the relationships we have with partisan politics, and this earthly nation in which we live. And he goes further and says that when we confuse our earthly politics and our identity with our realms in the heavenly politics, right? Paul says, when we, I'll say it, when we dress the cross of Christ in red, white, and blue, when we make our identity all about what partisan party we align with, when we speak in words and write posts online where it seems that our polytuma, the things that concern people, are more earthly than heavenly, as we rip into one another with as much fervor as a knife cutting off a grown man's foreskin, as we read last week, oh, just because we want to be right, we're willing to just take the knife and cut you up because, God dang it, I'm a Republican and I'm right or I'm a Democrat and I'm right, or I'm a Libertarian and I'm right. There is no place for that in the church. There just isn't. He says, when we do this, we are in fact walking around, look at verse 18, then we're the hostile enemies of the cross of Christ. When you put your identity in your politic above Christ, you are now the hostile enemy of the cross of Christ. And he says our end goal is a loss of well-being, and our God is our hollow bellies, it's shallow. And our glory and our honor and our shame is in our shame because now we're thinking of the earthly things rather than the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. My friends, I get embarrassed by the church sometimes as it seems a lot of the church can, can often get itself in, in it's very hollow and it's very shallow. And it's a good thing we've got people that have written things like this from Paul to help get us back on track every once in a while. Because on the flip side, when we're humble 
and we're united in Christ's spirit, right? When we're, when we're reading Christ's words in that Sermon on the Mount and, 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 and we're contemplating his death and his resurrection for us, right? When we're able to transcend ethnic advantages, when we're able to transcend partisan identities, when we're able to transcend national identities, when we can trade in all that is hollow, all that is fallible in these lowly human bodies for that cruciform love of Christ, for Christ, for God, and for all people, we then can change the way in which we relate to each other. Thus, the world will be a better place with one heart at a time, one conversation at a time, one interaction at a time. It's us Paul is writing this letter to. Paul's not writing this letter to the culture of Rome. He's not writing this to the, to, to, to the, to the United States of America. He's writing this to us who claim Christ as our higher power but yet live so much differently in what we put our faith and our trust in. And he says, be luminaries of the cosmos three weeks ago, right? Co-laboring with the Spirit in bringing that peace and that wholeness back closer to how God designed it to be. Our politics of the heavens, my friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for inspiring St. Paul to write these letters to the church in Philippi, in Rome, in Thessalonica, Corinthians. Because God, when you start digging into what Paul is saying, he's speaking to us. We thank you so much for, 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 for your word this morning. We thank you so much for this community. God, I actually do want to thank you for this community that over the last year and a half, when things have gotten very divided out, in, out, in, out, out, out there in, in, our, in our communities, this church right here, your body of Christ, has been so, such a beautiful picture. Our council meetings have been a beautiful picture, God, of what this looks like in practice. I want to thank you for each and every one of my brothers and sisters on that council, every one of my brothers and sisters in this church. And God, allow us to keep pushing, forgetting the things of the past, like Paul said, and pushing forward into the future together. Because God, when we do this in unity and humility together, beautiful things can be made out of the dust and out of us. God, we pray all these things in your most holy name who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in the heavens, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.